Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Live Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening, where we are set to explore another movie. And as promised, we are going to talk the stuff of Mission Impossible. But before we do, I did just want to give a shout out to those who are listening in the country of France. Mission Impossible was more or less uh, filmed in France. So I just wanted to give a shout out to those who are listening to this podcast as always, it is humbling that you are taking time out of your busy schedules to tune into to Seeds of Truth to join us. And I do say us because I not only have Father Mike Ritter in studio with me, but also a special guest, Edric. So, Father Mike, great to have you with me another evening. Hey, thank you, Joe. It's good to be here, like always. And Edric, it's especially great to have you with us as well. Hey, it's good to be with you guys. Thanks, Joe, for having me. Edric, before we jump into a discussion on this movie, maybe for our listening audience, if you just want to offer up a word about what you do, I know you're close with Father Mike. Father Mike gave me a call and said, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a great Joe, question, Joe. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, um, I'm currently the director of the Newman Catholic Center at UC Davis. I just finished up my fourth year there. And I'm also a first-year theology student at uh, Santa Clara University. Okay, so. I did not know that. Awesome. Yeah. Edric and I have been friends for years, and we've been doing, we've been working in campus ministry for the past four years or so. Yeah. And so I invited him also because I think he's seen every movie that's come out in the past five years. He's a movie buff, so I, awesome, I thought awesome. this works. It works. Summer's a little slow, so okay, I try Father to... Mike, did you tell him we only have 25, 26 minutes on air here? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's great, it's great to have you with us, Edric. Yeah. Thank you. So guys, Mission Impossible, this is the movie before us, as I've already mentioned. Just off the top, <laughs> I don't know about you, but... By the end of this movie, I think I burned about 500 calories. I mean, I was so engaged. It was so intense that I found myself just gripping, you know, three or four times throughout the movie. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you nailed it. I, I saw it with my parents just last week, and I walked out of the theater with my dad, and he says, man, that was intense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it really is. It's, it's a great movie. It's, uh, it's the sixth installment in the Mission Impossible series. Is that right? Yep, yep. And it kind of picks up where Mission Impossible 5... Uh, leaves off, and that is that uh, they've kind of conquered an international uh, terrorist syndicate called the Syndicate, and their their whole kind of concept is uh, doing away with the old world order by way of some kind of cataclysmic, catastrophic act of violence and event. And now that that syndicate has kind of dissolved and reemerged as a new group called, believe it or not, the Apostles. Yes, which we'll talk about. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, and they, at, at least in an imaginary way, are going to initiate this change, at least initially by way of a destruction of all these holy sites. So what's at stake here is uh, three kind of plutonium warheads have been lost or for sale to the highest bidder. And so Ethan Hunt and his team are out there essentially trying to recover uh, these warheads to prevent the, the catastrophic event. Um, he has it in his clutches when one of his teammates, uh, Ethan, has a choice to make to save his teammate, to save the bombs. He saves his teammates, and here goes the rest of the movie trying mm -hmm. to recover uh, the warheads. Uh, as predictable and an incredibly suspenseful, action-packed series of events, uh, Ethan is able to deactivate the bomb with his team at, at the very, very last second, kind of uh, saving the world as we would expect. Um, 
mission impossible accomplished essentially mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I would kick us off just to kind of uh, to observe and and i and i kind of have a special attention to those particular details as as movies come along you know how the mission impossible thing works ethan gets kind of a coded message your mission should you choose to accept it is a b and c and this message will self-destruct what struck me was the fact that that mechanism was hidden inside of a, a book, mm-hmm. a copy of uh, Homer's Odyssey. Yeah, And yeah. I always have to think that those things are kind of intentional in the minds of the, uh, of the filmmakers. You know, Homer's Odyssey is that great epic poem, the tale uh, coming to us uh, from, from Greek culture about Odysseus and his journey home uh, after the, uh, uh, the conquering of the city, the ancient city of Troy. So, so I started, I mean, from the very beginning was looking at this movie and really the whole franchise from that perspective of the Greek epic. Yeah, it's interesting. You use the word epic there, Father Mike. When you talk about or think about an epic, you, you're generally thinking about that period of time in history of a person's life that is usually marked by notable events, or we can even say remarkable decisions made. And, and I think if you were to go into uh, the Odyssey, you might discover what is a little bit unique to this movie. You, you see it in, in other hero movies, but most superhero movies have what? They have the great villain. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, right, Father Mike? And typically, the great villain carries the narrative, right? Carries the, the story. If you are a writer of a particular franchise, and here we're thinking about Mission Impossible, right? You have to come up with ways to make sure that you are holding your, your audience's attention. And how do you do that? Well, you have to do, I think, a little more than just show the villain and show the, the superhero coming through and saving the day. Certainly, we know Ethan Hunt to do that. But what this last movie did so well, what Mission Impossible Fallout did so well, is that it captured the nuance, if you will, of difficult decision-making. It just wasn't about Ethan Hunt riding in to save the day. It was about Ethan Hunt finding himself in unique situations, all right? The, the movie started with him needing to make the decision on whether or not to save the many or the one, to take the plutonium core or to save Luther. He went against the grain a little bit, and so what you have here, guys, is this push-pull dynamic, if you will, that we could probably say compounded the in- intensity, and Father Mike, as you brought up uh, Homer in the Odyssey, brought us back to... Uh, what that epic was all about, and to some degree, probably why I burned so many calories <laughs> watching the movie. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I got to say, Joe, we also got to um, tip our hats off to Tom Hanks' uh, uh, acting chops, hmm. because in those moments of tension, especially when we had that little imaginary montage of him uh, holding some of these police officers at gunpoint, you could see in Ethan Hunt's eyes this, you know, this sense of compassion and mercy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I think that's what makes this uh, particular film in the franchise so special is we get to delve deeper into the character of Ethan Hunt. And he's a guy who just really has a heart for his team, for his people. So, you know, th- that's something that uh, struck me. In the film. Oh, absolutely. And you spoke to his depth of character as making this an exceptional action movie. It's not just explosions. I, uh, I can't help but, but think of the fact that the, the hero in this case is not simply the strong one and the creative one. But uh, he's the one who is able to uh, not just show up and win the day, but enter into these complex moral decision-making processes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We talked about, you you used the word tension. We've talked about um, 
the, the nuanced moral decision-making process? Is it the one or do I save the many? And then maybe another question that's played out in the film is, are these two things mutually exclusive? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I think that this, for me, it, it hits something in terms of the way we deal with what's right. And that is we tend to think that moral decision-making is always black or white. It's always very simple. But the truth is maybe the hero is the one who has the capacity to endure the tension, mm-hmm. uh, to enter into that very complex process of discernment mm. making, and to bring that depth of character mm. uh, to the tension. Mm. Uh, this movie really draws out the complexity of heroism for me. It's not mm-hmm. just muscle. Right. And, and you see that very much in Ethan's character. Well said, Father Mike. And you know, what we're not saying here is that there's no such thing as an objective moral standard. We've talked about that a great deal. Of course there is. That Jesus Christ establishes that. But what we are saying is there are some situations that are very difficult. And to enter into the shoes of another and to journey with that individual to help them come to that sound decision is really what we're talking about here. And you could only do that well if you enter into that relational dynamic. As you spoke to it, Edric, being a, a man of compassion, being a, a man of mercy, uh, yes, Ethan Hunt can do all of these extraordinary things, but as you said so beautifully, Father Mike, what makes him extraordinary isn't always just the simple fact that he can jump out of airplanes and, and skip buildings, <laughs> no, but that he sees the relevance of the person next to him. We have to remember something, guys. How does this movie start off? I know I mentioned the scene where he's made to make that decision, right, between the one and the many, but the movie actually opened up with him dreaming about his wedding day with his wife, who he had to let go because of the people he was after found out that he had a wife. He came to the conclusion that she was in more danger, that he had a wife, so he had let her go. And, you know, in this dream, he sees Solomon laying this guy who he had secured in, in the previous episode. So the opening scene is about that which is relational. And so right off the top, as you spoke to it, Edric, this latest installment of Mission Impossible very much deals with the person. Not to say that, again, this movie isn't without the explosions, it isn't without him jumping out of helicopters, you know, and all the rest. To your point, we get about an hour and a half, an hour and 45 into the movie, and this helicopter is like sliding off the edge of a cliff and a hook gets stuck on the rock. <laughs> and my dad goes, this is not realistic. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Really bad? Yeah, yeah. But, but that relationship piece is so real. And it really busts open the question for me, uh, this, this moral question of, is it the one or the many? Mm-hmm. And I think what comes out in spades in this movie is, how do you save the world? You don't do it without attention to the individual, to the person. Yeah. Uh, Ethan's wife says that essentially at the end. This is why you can save the world, you can commit your life to many, uh, because you, you haven't lost the one in that process. Mm. You know, so to this great moral question, uh, the needs of the many versus the needs of the one, I think that in a very striking fashion, this film blows that up for us and yeah. suggests there really is no path to salvation that loses the dignity of the individual. Father Mike, you speak of a path. That path is always going to include detachment, detachment from one thing so as to be attached to another thing, detached from maybe that which you hold most dear so as to be attached, opening yourself up to ultimately the the mission that is before you. And when you do that, as this movie points out and discloses, you will help encourage the dignity of each and every person around you. And again, I think this is a point that shines forth in, in Ethan Hunt. The real heroism is played out on the stage 
of relationships. Right? Amen. And yeah. yeah, you know, absolutely. I think you know, I think it'd be significant to mention the relationship he had, the relationships he has with uh, Benji and Luther. Mm. You know, his 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 loyal squad there. You know, um, there's a, a you know a couple of um, funny moments where they they kind of they put Benji out as the bait. And I forgot what he said exactly, but it's like, uh, well, who's gonna protect me? Who you know, who's got me? And um, Ethan Hunt responded, "Yeah, nope, we'll figure it out. I got yeah, you. Don't yeah, worry, yeah, you know." But yeah. they, there's just he, he. It seems like he created this culture of of safety with with uh, with uh, Benji and um, and Luther. Where you know these guys are, they trust them. They're loyal to him, and yeah, I mean, he, they they trust him, uh, you know, with with their their very lives. So. Yeah. I really like that a lot, uh, creating a culture of safety. Yeah, that's such creating a, great... a culture of safety, creating a culture of trust. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's the key word, and that's what you see play out. Mm -hmm. And really, if you're to go back into all of these movies, you see this in relationship to those who Ethan Hunt is around. You just said it. We'll figure it out. And there's this sense of, yeah, you want to know what? We will figure this out. You've done it before. We're going to figure this out. And that, guys, is a much bigger topic, I think, for us as we... Uh, draw out the key points from this movie because what is this movie? Yes, Mission Impossible Fallout, but Mission Impossible, mm -hmm. right? How do we achieve what is quote-unquote impossible but trust that nice. great virtue and act of faith? Yes, ourselves to one another, but as we apply this to our faith journey, our, our trust in God. God says all things are possible mm. in me, and so yeah. this is kind of what's before us, and and we can learn from a movie like this as they trust one another. They are able to do what they do because they trust one another, and they wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. Mm -hmm. There's a funny scene where, you know, Benji and Ethan Hunter kind of going back and forth, and, and every Mission Impossible movie has a scene where he has to do something crazy. Right. And, you know, in this latest installment, <laughs> Benji says, well, you can do it, and Tom Cruise, and Ethan <laughs> right. Hunt kind of looks at him, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, I can, you know? Yeah, right, Just yeah. a matter of fact, because he's <laughs> yeah. done it before. Uh, in that closing scene... Uh, the actress uh, Rebecca Ferguson, what's her name now again, guys? Uh, it, Ilsa. Ilsa. Ilsa, Ilsa, yes, I Ilsa Faust. Ilsa Faust looks at him jumping onto the helicopter and, and she says, What the heck is he doing? And Ben <laughs> yeah. just says, Well, I just learned not to look. You're right, right. You're right. <laughs> but, that's you, right. but you trust him. That's right. right. You trust him. And so that's, I think, a, a very important piece for us I as think well. That, again, not to beat it to death, but I think that rooting the heroism of the hero in relationships. Yeah. And, and it's easy when we, especially as, as oriented towards principles as we are, when our discernment is detached from the real people, it's always a little bit off. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when the mission is not somehow uh, expressing itself in terms of that culture of trust, concern for the individual, uh, when, when, the, when the ideals become abstract only, mm -hmm. I feel like we get a little bit uh, off the mark. Right. So I think in, in dramatic fashion, th this film does that in rooting the hero's real strength and orientation in relationships. And, and the, the great insight for me in this movie is that that orientation towards the one is not exclusive of the call to serve and to save the many. Amen to that. Guys, in our pregame huddle, we were talking about this a little bit, and I know, Father Mike, I looked at you and I said, I think the audience would benefit from hearing a little bit of, of your stories. You have been called to die to self so as to become the spiritual father you have become. But I, I bring this to both of you. You know, Edric, you two are in ministry. You have been made to, to die to self. So so guys, can you speak to this in, in a concrete way out from your own experience, this 
dying to self so as to be present to other. Yeah. Well, I'm flattered that you think that I've died to selfishness. You know? like, <laughs> I think that that's the I've ongoing... Been, I've, I've been around you enough to know that there's been, there's been some uh, there's dying to self. Yeah. There, I'm, a, I'm in an ongoing process, process of dying. <laughs> one, of my, uh, one of my favorite uh, spiritual authors, he says, real holiness doesn't feel like holiness at all. It just feels ah. like dying. Mm, amen. I, I do think that in all of... And Edric, you can, you can speak to this too, whether it's Marvel, comics, or whatever, but all these great hero figures... There is this sense of uh, the single-heartedness that's required. To, if you're going to be the hero, if you're going to save the world, there's always like the loss of the love interest. Mm-hmm. You know, Spider-Man or whoever else it is, that there's always the sense of if you're going to be at the world's service, uh, it, it requires the kind of single-heartedness that is almost exclusive of uh, your private life. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, priesthood and celibacy is very much that. Now, I'm, I'm not a superhero uh, Far from it. Don't don't tell my oldest son that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that uh, there is in movies there is this deep sense that there's something noble, there's something worthy and even necessary about the public nature of the call to service, and that there's something uh, heroic, not in a Superman kind of way. Uh, there is something uh, very worthy about a single-hearted devotion to service. Uh, so so I do think that this tension. Um, touches on a deep awareness. Yeah. Uh, we need these figures in whatever sphere in life. We need these figures that we know are uh, giving themselves over to the public, to the church, whatever the arena, in kind of an undivided way. That tension speaks to us. There, there's some kind of truth in it. Edric, off the top, you had mentioned that you've been in ministry for four years. Have you experienced concrete need to, to die to self so as to be present to those who you are, who you are ministering to? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we just uh, started this men's ministry in 2014. We call it uh, Ad Patrim, to the Father. And, mm. you know, a lot of these guys, they, I mean, they're, they're part of this discernment group, and they're wrestling with this question of priesthood or religious life, celibacy. And, you know, a lot of them, I mean, they're you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, and they're already thinking of, man, I got to let go of the girl. I want to have kids. I want to have a wife. I want to have a family, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, there is something about something so heroic about you know letting that go so i can give myself totally um completely and unreservedly to god's people Mm. and um you know they're wrestling with that right now and that's something you know me as you know their campus minister and director i'm trying to accompany them in father mike has definitely helped with that a lot Mm. Mm. but um i think ethan hunt is a great model for that, you know, mm-hmm. this, you know, again, he does fit the, the typical hero archetype. You got it, you know, like Spider-Man, like Superman, let go of the girl because, you yeah. know, I got it. I'm called to save the world. Yeah, yeah. And in so many ways, these young people, they can do that, whether that is in the context of religious life, priesthood, um, and in, in some capacity, maybe as, as a married man as well. Yeah. So. Well, I'll tell you, you know, uh, from firsthand experience, uh, you are called to die to self. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember when you talk about... Uh, what it means to be single-hearted. What you're talking about is purity, and purity should never be reduced to just celibacy. We're all called to be pure. Absolutely. You know, when our Lord says, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God, you translate that Greek, the kathalos, it's blessed are those who are single-hearted, for they shall see God. Mm-hmm. Uh, blessed are those who, literally, the kathalos is without mixture, to be one thing, mm-hmm. and one thing alone. And as a married man, as a father of four, I look at what God puts before me, and by the grace of God, I'm at my best when I am pure. And so, yeah, it's a point to be had, ultimately, in every state of life, just not the priesthood. I kind of yeah. 
kind of pick on you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> Joel, you pick on me all the time. <laughs> yeah. I do think I, I often refer to that uh, extended sermon by Soren Kierkegaard, the philosopher, who says, uh, purity of heart is to will one thing. Mm. Mm. And that's always Amen. just been so striking for me. Uh, it does, I think, speak to what's really kind of iconic about this whole film franchise, and, and everybody could recite this verbatim. You know, your mission, should you choose to accept it, you know, is yeah. A, B, and C. And I know in our pregame huddle, that, that was something that I think struck all of us, this whole idea that there is the task, the appointed task, and uh, one has to kind of ask the question, do I take this on or do I not? You know, whether we talk about uh, vocational styles, celibacy, family, what my mission is in life. Yeah. But I mean, we all kind of stand before a box, if you will, that's given to us for a time, and we, we kind of have to ask the question, am I willing? Am I, mm -hmm. uh, am I willing to accept the call that's placed before me. Uh, every every one of these stories starts that way, and I think that, you know, if we're talking about the world stage, uh, every one of us has to answer a question like that. Right. Yeah, and that question always comes in the form of an invitation. In the movie, it's, should you choose, right? right. Not you must, but right. should you choose, God says, uh, come and see. This is the great invitation. God's invitation to us, guys, is should you choose to accept what I have in store for you, you will go on a great adventure. You will go on a ride like no other. Will there be challenges? Will there be uh, trials? Will there be things to overcome? Of course. But we have to remember <laughs> that very word invitation coming from the Latin invitatio literally translates as just not to summon or invite, but also to challenge. Every invitation is going to have with it a challenge. God invites us into the extraordinary. And as you have highlighted, uh, Father Mike, this extraordinary isn't just about the big muscles or the ability to, to jump from one plane or helicopter to the next plane or helicopter, but to enter into the shoes of another. So the invitation is, again, about relationship. Speaking of relationships... <laughs> the bad guys in this movie call themselves the what, but the apostles. And their mantra was, there will be peace, but only through suffering. And I could not help but think, guys, that uh, there is a parody going on of a profound gospel truth. Here you have the apostles, huh, uh, speaking about the need to suffer for the sake of peace. But all of this is done through truth and honesty? No deception, and lies. So I could not help but think of how you have a gospel truth kind of turned upside down as, as part of this narrative. We talked about this a little bit with uh, Infinity War last week, and uh, the, the idea that uh, the great act of destruction is somehow the path to, to life or whatever, or that uh, the whole premise here is that the old system in the world has become so corrupt that it's almost like a greater system of corruption has to overthrow it. Yeah, yeah. This is like the anti-gospel. And where I see uh, that mentality coming a little bit unpinned to talk about or, or unanchored is it's pure ideology versus uh, uh, Ethan's quest for peace is deeply rooted in his relationships, yep. his relationship to his country, to the values, his relationships to the people that he loves. And when you look at Christian faith or Christian ideology, Christian salvation, it's always deeply rooted in relationship to the person of Jesus, the community of believers. It's never pure ideology. 
uh, which is terribly dangerous. The movie ends with an imagining of salvation, which is the destruction of religious institutions, the Vatican, Jerusalem, the apostles. This is very much an anti-gospel path to salvation. And it harkens back to the last uh, great villain we saw in uh, Thanos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same deal. Uh, There's a deep consciousness, I think, of this, the logic of the world versus the logic or the salvation of the gospel. Yeah. It's, it's Father Greg Boyle. He talks about transforming our suffering. And you hear the apostles, the quote-unquote apostles, speak about um, more suffering, more peace. But I think, you know, for at least for, uh, for my students in Davis, at the Newman Center in Davis, I, you know, because they, they are they're, they're experiencing a lot of suffering as, oh, sure. as college students, sure, you know? Like, sure. and, um, but for a lot of them, there, there's a huge uh, misconception. It's like, you know, suffering for the sake of suffering isn't, isn't good, and um, there is some suf- some suffering that can be uh, prevented. Mm-hmm. So what I always you know tell my students is like you know how can we transform that suffering into loving service? Yeah, Jesus on the cross does not give us some antidote that cures all suffering. No, <laughs> what he does for us is show us how to suffer. In that suffering in of itself, whether we bring it on ourselves or not, is an opportunity to share in the very mystery of the cross, and in that way it becomes redemptive. Uh, John Paul II, in his beautiful letter on suffering, says, you want to know, when people ask the question, why do we suffer? Remind them (laughs) every time about the cross, and encourage them every time to turn to Jesus, and to ask the Master, who is Father, help me understand the great mystery of the cross. Christ passed through the most horrific death in human history that we might never say again, no one will ever understand, because ultimately someone does understand. This is why Paul preached Christ crucified. This is quintessential. All right, I'm looking up at the clock, guys, and we are out of time. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts to share with our listening audience. Only that it's a great movie. Uh, it's exhausting. It's suspenseful. It's a it's a great film. Uh, to to look at it through these eyes as we've discussed them, I think is a wonderful way to watch it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I'd say. Um, well, again, thank you, Joe, for uh, for having me. But, oh, it's uh, it's great to have you, and you're definitely going to come back. Well, I <laughs> invite you, Eric, <Yeah. laughs> Mission Impossible, to, 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 to come back into the studio uh, with Father Mike and I to to join us sometime in the future. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. Well, I guess all I could say really is uh, Ethan Hunt over James Bond. All day. Yeah. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> Father Mike, can you close us with a word of prayer? Lord God, you assign each one of us a mission, and, and you give us people to love and so serve you. And as we contemplate that call, we ask for your blessing, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.